0: Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer podcast. I'm your host Graham Smith and I am editor of PC Gamer and I'm joined here today by Rich McCormick. Hello, I'm the associate editor. What's your favourite kind of cheese? This is a hard question. Havarti, Danish cheese,
1: very nice. Oh yeah, I think I've had that. What's it like? Is it mild? Is it strong? It's kind of. It's a bit like Swiss cheese if you shrunk it down, but it took away the nutty flavour and made it slightly different. It's good. It doesn't melt very well. But you should try it. <laughs> like
0: Swedish cheese, did you say?
2: Like uh, Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese. It,
1: it has holes, holes in it. Yeah. Okay. Very Owen, what's
0: holes. your favourite
2: cheese? I like uh, Gruyere cheese, which I think is this, is that Sorry, Swiss really? cheese. I think it is. Mm. So.
0: Uh, and what's your job title? <laughs> 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 Where better to throw on PC Cheese taster. Tom.
3: Hello, uh, I'm Tom. Mm, I'm a section editor, I think. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) cheese-wise, it used to be the uh, Applewood smoked cheddar, but now it's uh, Mexicana spiced cheese. Ah. It's got a good PR company. It does have to be a West Country (laughs) speciality. (laughs) Well,
2: they've got chilies in it. uh,
3: Yeah, it's... um, like sort of red cheese with uh, like Mexican peppers and bits of chilli in, and the heat is just perfect. Like it's just it's almost pain, but it's not quite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People on Twitter love that cheese. Yeah, and yeah I don't me and Will
3: are obsessed with it, and they have a Mexicana have an active Twitter account, and they greatly appreciate. <laughs> <our>
1: <laughs> Until recently, I think that maybe that's why. But the, the hottest chili in the world was from like Cornwall or Southwest UK, because really? they've <laughs> been growing this uh, scorpion naga chili or something <laughs> like that.
3: There's one. There's one called the ghost. Which is one million scobo... Uh, is it scobels? Scobo is, yeah, is yeah. the
0: measurement, yeah. There's great videos on YouTube if you ever want to watch someone, a growing man cry. <laughs> just look for people eating chilies because there's just videos of people who found themselves eating like the, the hottest chilies in the world. Immediately like regret that. The and, yeah, they always and then start off macho and then, <laughs> yeah, and then end up with them kind of
1: crying and regretting it and yep. asking someone to turn the camera off. Like <laughs> the cinnamon challenge as well, trying tablespoon of cinnamon.
0: Okay, good start to the podcast, everyone. <laughs> Video games, eh? Uh, Chris isn't here today, but we're still equally as organised. We've got a printout and everything. <laughs> and today we should start talking about Diablo three because that seems to be the big thing. I've heard of that game. I've heard of it as well. And mm. you're all playing it much more than I am. I've <laughs> been <laughs> playing it a bit, but you've all gone mental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Owen. I've gone a little bit mental. for <laughs> A <example>. little, <laughs> mental. Wrong. A little bit mental. A little bit mental. I'm not going to deny it. I kind I log
2: in sometimes just to see what's going on with everyone <laughs> playing it online, and then think. Oh, I log back off now.
1: <laughs> so I, I'm just glad it's still there.
2: It's still there. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a third-party battle.net chat app so I can see exactly what's going on at all times. <laughs> but, just in case you miss yeah. out on the funds. Mm.
3: Is there anything um like an app to watch your auctions and stuff and to sell off your gear?
2: No, but um that's interesting actually, because like. for World of Warcraft they brought out an app which allowed you to actually list and, you know, resolve auctions. But there's, there's a subscription fee, a monthly subs. Huh. So wow. they they could feasibly do that. They almost definitely would as
1: well. Yeah, yeah, APIs are like kind of things that's yeah. been
2: locked down. BattleNet's all very closed off, so you can't get the,
1: the yeah. details from For us. the
3: real money auction house, though you like, you pay a subscription fee to use the service yeah, where exactly. you pay real money I suppose it's like eBay though as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, you'd think the fifteen percent would be enough to would you for them to finance a, a little app. But yeah, we'll see.
0: Why is it good, Tom?
3: Why is Diablo Three good? Yeah, summarize <laughs> your review. On which I've written some words. <laughs> a four and a half thousand word live review and then <laughs> two, two thousand one hundred word actual review. Um, mostly for the skills um, and many different aspects of those. So the different there's five different classes and their different sets of skills are radically different. But then as you level up, you're you're never actually having to commit to any of them. So every time you get a new skill, you can try it out and you can try mixing it with all these other different skills that you've got because you can't fit them all in your slots at the same time. And there loads of them are spectacular, loads of them are really, really satisfying. Um, loads of them combine in really um, satisfying ways. So the build I've been doing with my wizard lately is a what uh, I call the human bomb, where you use teleport to teleport into the centre of a mob. Then you plant a time bomb, <laughs> which is... A skill called Explosive Blast, Um, you can use a rune to modify it so that it does more damage and takes longer to detonate. Um, And you actually want it to take slightly longer to detonate because you're going to cast that. Then you're going to cast Frost Nova. So everyone around the time bomb is frozen in place and can't get away. And then just as the Explosive Blast is about to detonate, you cast Wave of Force, which is another thing that just does damage to everything around you and also knocks them back, although you don't really care about that because everything's going to be dead. (laughs) (laughs) And it hits the exact same time as Explosive Blast. So everything dies, and there's a rune for the Frost Nova that means if anything dies when it's frozen, there's a 50% chance it'll cast another Frost Nova. And so this wave of ice spreads out. <laughs> like everything around you is dead, and everything around them is frozen. And so then you just fling like um, arcane orbs into the other frozen people and see if you can trigger more Frost Novas in this. <laughs> Death to crowds.
2: So you can you can do super awesome stuff like that, and you can just go... Clicky, clicky, smash, smash, smash. <laughs> which, uh, which I, I, I do think Tom thing is cool of organising ma- mega builds, but kind of when you first create the class, you haven't got that many options. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's it's pretty satisfying to play. I think it kicks off around level ten or something. But it
1: took me about that long to get into it properly. I was playing mm. Witch Doctor, and Witch Doctor's all about having as much stuff as it, as you know, because you keep complaining about the fact that there's two Witch Doctors on screen. <laughs> it's about throwing as much stuff as possible at enemies, and when you get his zombie dogs, it's quite fun. But now I've got a whole load of skills on my Witch Doctor. The most fun I have it is similar to Tom's it's the AOE damage, where I go in, and I—you I, can one of one of the Witch Doctor's powers means you can suck all the intelligence from everyone around you. Intelligence is your base stat, right. <laughs> and you end up like you get obviously really clever, but also really powerful. And everything you do does loads more damage. And then immediately, then you can—it's the you drop one of the right-click ones I've got is dropping a load of eels on the floor, and it's, it slows people down. But also the eels hurt them. You can get grasping hands and things. I like said they're all different runes. And that holds them in place. And then I pour, this, this tiki skull appears and pours acid on them. And I do that about three or four times. So there's acid everywhere and they're all being covered in acid.
2: I thought that was an enemy effect. <laughs> I was avoiding <laughs> that acid for about 25 minutes before <laughs> no. I realised the little face above looked like a mask I saw you wear yeah, 10 really. levels
3: back. I mean, it's quite hard at the best times to tell between like minions and enemies. But the witch yeah. doctors... Are- do they just all look like enemies? Like, Well, yeah, it's mm. like sp- spiders fighting spiders.
2: When, like, when, <laughs>
1: come on. I mean, if I mean, when started playing together, I kept, because the zombie dogs come up from the earth, and enemies come up from the earth, and yeah. every time
2: the zombie dogs
1: appeared, I would just go, ah, and just start hitting it in the air, just thinking you've been attacked again.
2: Oh, yeah, I am constantly trying to hit the witch doctors. Doctors. But then you end up filth. the best uh,
1: the like the zombie dogs are really good and the gargantuan is really good all the pet stuff that follows you around. But my favourite thing is the witch doctor who is horrifying and horrified is just when this you can summon this guy who just appears above you and just goes Burr. and when he goes blur, everybody gets afraid and disappears. And you can get out of any kind of trouble
2: by just scaring people away. And I really like just running into a room being scary and everybody running away from it. I think it's weird that it's so polished, but there's no like what I want is a button to hold down where it kind of puts a, a red silhouette around all the enemies. In yeah. yeah. the same way that you see mm. when you're hovering over one, like when, when Rich is filling up the screen with all this voodoo nonsense, like it may as well be a way I can just highlight what the bad things there's are.
1: There's no reason there's not, like, build stats, like Tribes did this recently, Tribes said, I, did, I did builds where you have, you know, obviously there's so many different skills, but to, if you want to re- I, rearrange in front of a boss or something, so I, I had all AoE stuff and I switched it to all direct damage. That took about three minutes of going, um, I want that, and then, oh, what room is it again? It was that one. There's no reason you kind of like controlling one, two, three, four, five saves, unless there is a way, I haven't seen it yet, I guess saves a it's, it's
2: like a half compromise, I think, to, to to giving you some kind of, some reason not to respect yourself. I think we were going to talk about that aspect of it later when we were in the podcast, but in, in the same way, like, I can warp to you at any time by teleporting back to town, mm. then clicking your banner, right? I can do that, and that takes me you know, 25, 30 seconds or something. Yeah. Like, why not let me just warp straight to you all the time? And I guess it's because, you know, that tiny bit of effort they make me put in, you know, I <clears> could just explode <throat> it in a dungeon and like, you know, teleport around the dungeon
1: to you. You might make. end up spending the entire time, if, if, if there's two of you, and, you know, you end up wandering down a path and you're trying to convince your friends to come down there, but they're on a similarly interesting path. It means that you actually both have an experience as opposed to a, this just, oh, I'm just going to teleport next to you all the time. So I can mm. just keep,
3: just but they could just give it a 25-second cooldown, couldn't they, I guess? If that's yeah, it, it could takes. be just like Town Portal, because that's already a thing that takes a while to cast, and if you're interrupted when you cast it, it cancels it. Yeah, so yeah. you won't be able to abuse it. Yeah, there's stuff like, as um, a wizard, I can't figure out why a bunch of my skills have to be recast. They'll cost like 15 arcane power and last for 10 minutes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. is the arcane power cost really a limitation there? There's mm-hmm. no cooldown. You can cast them as soon as they finish. You just have to remember to do it, and you have to notice when the icon disappears, and it disappears at certain times. Like if you log out and log back in, obviously it, it goes... And every time I, you know, go to a new area, I have to remember, oh, shit, I've got to re-enable all this other shit that I use for my build. And I'm terrible at that. I just can't remember to do it. And so I spend half the time debuffed for the fact that I'm forgetful. I can't yeah. understand why
2: that's just not a toggle. Yeah, that is weird. is the same with the mantras for the for the yeah. and stuff. If if you want to equip that skill after you've kind of hit it, will it linger?
3: Like No, no there you go. The
1: same with the Gargantuan for the, the massive zombie follower you get as a witch doctor. Like... He lasts, as far as I can see, forever, until he gets killed.
3: It's really funny. You have to
1: remember to actually bring him out.
3: If mm. you change your mind about what rune you want in your in one of your summoning skills, like you've got, you got a gargantuan friend, and you just summon him from the earth, he's wandering around, and you like, oh no, I want to put this rune in it. He just dies. This oh <laughs> new one comes up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that one's redundant.
2: He looks so content, that like gargantuan
1: yeah, <laughs> guy. Great. He, he just looks like he's he having a His head great... is like, tilted
3: back, looking at yeah. like, yeah. like, the sky, like, ah... <laughs> <You're laughs> <like>, your <lung laughs> <proud.
0: laughs> if you're like a nine-foot-tall zombie beast, you'd be pretty happy killing <laughs> yeah. everything all the time. Do you feel like all the classes are equally as good? Like, you've all played a fairly big mixture of them now, maybe all of them. Is the one that you think is underpowered compared to the others?
3: I don't know about power, but I definitely think that the Wizard and Monk are an order of magnitude more fun than the others. I've played all of them now. Um, And the... Uh, Witch Doctor really fun from an intellectual point of view. like what, The way you kind of get all your different area effects things to interact and using Soul Harvest to kind of maximize your damage and that kind of stuff is really interesting. But I don't find much of what he can do very satisfying. There's no kind of like, press this and everything dies. Mm. Mm. Um, Barbarian does have that immediate kind of um, smashiness to him, but I just don't find his progression very interesting. I got to like... Um, I got to a certain point after which there was nothing to look forward to. I looked through all the skills he had, and there was nothing else I wanted. I had the big smashy stuff. I'm playing a barbarian right now. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas the monk, um, uh, she's got like these five different primary attack skills that all have a different feel to them. And some of them are outright better at first, but then each time you get a new room for one of those, you switch to that as your main thing. You try it out for ages. Uh, So there's one called Crippling Wave, which hits everything at once and slows them down. And At first, I didn't really care about that because I'd just rather do more damage then at one point you have a rune for that that does extra damage and you don't have an extra damage rune for anything else so that actually is your highest damage thing and it's the mm. best area effects there's loads of at loads of different points in the game some things are outright redundant but it kind of encourages a bit of diversity just because you're you're mm. going to try
1: that thing while it's I think the barbarian peaks too soon. So well. Barbarian's the most fun for levels one to ten, and yeah. then after that, all this stuff is quite, it's quite, fiddly, it's quite tank stuff. It's all like reduced damage as you,
2: bring, so you don't die as quickly, but you're not going. <laughs> <laughs> it feels level character. eleven. <laughs> yeah, well, it feels kind of generic. It's all downhill well, from here, right? He's got like stomp, you know, AOE attack, yeah. and he's got like it's really big like smash, like, medium Earthfish smash. Is good. Yeah, I mean, even even bash, bash light
1: on is still. Because I've got the point now where when I'm bashing people with my Lady Barbarian, she hits them once <laughs> in the Bashes chest, with my lady. <laughs> and then hits them once in like with the golf swing, and they go flying. And that nothing my Witch Doctor makes things go flying except for my exploding mm-hmm. zombie dogs, and that cooldown that's huge. Whereas this is every time I press anything,
2: I'm going badage, badage, and that, that's quite. I think it's nice. really cool that like like the actual mechanics of playing these classes. Like so, you've got the Witch Doctor. You you never actually directly target anything, whereas with a Monk. Well, I mean, I know you do every now and then, but yeah, most yeah. of it you just most of my AoE out, right? stuff is all just obviously AoE stuff. So. Yeah, like with the monk, you you're actually doing like timing based combos almost sometimes. Yeah. So you're going like left mouse, right mouse, three or something, and you can kind of build up your own little, you know, your own little combos using different skills to yeah. you because it comes in kind of um, waves of three hits.
0: Mm. That's yeah. what I found when I played monk pre-release is that you get into this thing where it's. The quality of your fight isn't just whether or not you killed everyone and you survived. It's how you killed everyone, exactly. like how efficiently you managed the the mob that was coming at you to make sure that you triggered them all at the right point to explode it. and stuff mm. like that.
3: I hate it if I do a punch and it doesn't connect with anything. Like, you know, the morning shift to just attack anyway. <laughs> Batman, and Suddenly but... moves out of the way and I punch one too many times, or you know, done my big spectacular combo and didn't hit anything. Oh fuck, <laughs> yeah, yeah. kill me now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird because my my traditional thing with the Witch Doctor before I switched to the AoE stuff was kind of casting zombie dogs casting my gargantua and getting them both in the fight and then just standing at the back hurling explosive frogs forward just holding shift and holding <laughs> yeah. fire just chucking frogs from some frog funny. bucket
3: because there's like there's 3 of them and they come out and so it at like a very close range it's like a shotgun cuz you can mm. get them all to hit the same thing um but then at longer range, they just go wherever the fuck they want. So <laughs> They just start hopping around in random directions. So it's really just increase the probability that something at some point will be hit by an exploding frog. <laughs> yeah,
1: the amount of times I stood in front of like a really weak enemy, just
3: like goading frogs to hit them. Going,
1: come on, you can do it. Jump forwards. Don't, ju- oh, don't jump left. No. So you don't even get to like direct them round. You don't get to. They say, come out in corner, like a forty-five wind. degree arc kind of thing. Yeah. Like out of you.
3: The mind-blowing thing about the Witch Doctor for me, um, playing it for the first time since the beta. Beta didn't. Ha- well, last time I played the beta, it didn't have the. Um, uh, categories for skills. So it didn't really tell you how to slot anything. Um, and now, it, now that the game does have that, it tells you which skills are primaries, and primaries are things that you, you have on your left click, because you're just the main way you interact with the game is to use that skill on things, um, and they cost almost no mana, or they're completely free in the case of with the wizard. And uh, I had no idea until I played the final game that the witch doctors. Throw a vase full of four spiders is a primary attack. <laughs> That's not something they expect you to use on Left Mouse, is just the way you interact with the game. Just every time, If you want to open a, a barrel, you have to throw a jar of spiders in it. Before. <laughs> just come out and, you, and just... It, it does cost almost no mana so you can just keep on throwing them infinitely just like Some of a ones constant Britain, stream bring of mana back as well. coming out of your hand. <laughs> yeah and then the first rune you get for them is jumping spiders that can jump 25 yards to thing you want to and so you can have like 25 of those on the screen just swarming everything no, the awesome. second a new enemy comes up they just like <laughs> every spider on the screen jumps to his face
1: i was playing that for a long time my wish I with that and i i just said can you, can you just not <laughs> can you just not he just didn't like it the amount of things I was
2: the amount of horrible
1: things I I kind of looked. didn't
3: like it even when I was doing it I was like god I'm just the worst person yeah. like, I mean yeah okay you're going to kill the people but you have to do it like that yeah.
2: <laughs> it was the noise of the pots because it was like psh, psh,
1: psh, psh. Yeah, it's so satisfying I mean the problem is with the frogs the frogs don't feel like because the frogs explode but you can't
0: feel them coming out whereas the spiders <laughs> it's like you've got you a jar of spiders and you're out. actually throwing them at people Did any? it was a jar of frogs did any of you expect it to sell 6 million copies in a week yeah. You thought it would be that like, successful? You thought it would be the more Some successful... PC game
3: ever? Yeah. yeah it,
1: like, the thing is, it's got that... Like, StarCraft had that thing where the people we know in other games magazines who don't really play PC games, but they play games, or are interested in games. They had this whole, but there's patches, and you have to be online, and this whole naive, childlike innocence to the world when StarCraft <laughs> came out. And uh, Diablo is more mainstream. People played it more than they played StarCraft, yeah. and they had that then. So I was expecting that to happen again. And it did. You know, people saying, console mag saying, oh,
3: I'm playing Diablo at the moment, and I'm really deep in it. I mean, you you go online now, half people are playing it. Yeah, I I got a sense of it when just people on my Twitter feed who I didn't even know played games were like, oh, Diablo Three's really good. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I thought it was interesting, Owen, when you went to the launch event and interviewed those people in the line, and how many of them said, oh, I'm getting this for my girlfriend, or, well, my dad used to play this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was really sweet. There's a real kind of warmth. Well, I mean, I was at the launch
2: event, so to be fair, all those people were out at, like... You know, twelve o'clock yeah. in the night on Oxford Street. But you're right; there was a real kind of passion, and people, I don't know, it wasn't like I just want to get home and play this. It was like they they were excited about it in a different way to other games I mm, reckon. You mm. know, there was a a real nostalgia to it. You know, it was it was really cool. It like, seemed, the weird thing is, it seems like you didn't
1: miss anyone when it first came out. Diablo One and Diablo Two, everybody played. I didn't play it; it missed me entirely. Like, yeah,
0: I missed me as well. It was one games is maybe just people who actually hit a different audience. Maybe I don't know. It does seem to have like a cross-generational appeal, I guess, because it's easy enough to play, and the first two were long enough ago that there's lots of hmm. dads now that used to play Diablo and remember yeah. it, and they're, they're buying it, and then also their teenage sons are buying it.
2: I reckon, like, I don't think this is necessarily a huge part of the, the thing, but this is on Mac as well, like day one on Mac release, hmm. and there's, you know, on Mac, the games you've got are like two or three decent Steam games or something, <laughs> but the then two, you've got, yeah, yeah exactly, TF2, um, Portal, you know, Diablo Portal 3, Starcraft, Water Diablo. Warcraft, yeah, I mean, you know, just Blizzard and Valve stuff. <laughs> yeah, much. they're excellent picks. But when something like this comes out, I mean, there's nothing like Diablo three on on Mac, and you mm-hmm. know, you'd have to be stupid it not to want to pick it up. Which I think Torchlight is on Mac,
3: isn't it? Is it Torchlight 2 is going to be? There's cool. quite
2: a few like little mm-hmm. puzzle games as
1: well coming out. So I mean, I mean the has being beefed up. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely still. I don't know what yeah. the figures are like on Mac, but hmm.
0: we're going to come back to Diablo three in a minute, but. I want to bounce off for a second to XCOM Enemy Unknown. Some of the first footage has just come out, and it looks really cool.
3: Yeah. I saw this on pcgamer.com, <laughs> my favourite website. I haven't
0: <laughs> read that post yet. I, so. I just heard you
3: guys talking about, in the office about an XCOM video, and I assumed it was just an interview-type thing, and then uh, actually watched it. And, hey, I'm actually watching XCOM being played now, the XCOM the strategy game. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the follow-up to that turn-based thing that everyone tells me is incredible that I've never really played. <laughs> 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 and that's kind of why I'm excited about it, is because... Um, I didn't. I missed it the first time. and I have tried to go back to it. I did play it like a few weeks ago. Um, it's fucking tough to play these mm. days. I yeah. mean, it's, obviously, it's famously tough, but it's tough to understand and to click on things. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> just the mouse interface is really nasty.
1: It's just the wrong side of retro now, like just over the edge where it's uh, it's are yeah. not, not quite worth doing sure it,
3: It's probably really playable if you played it at the time and mm. you already understand it, but it's hard to get into fresh. And uh, yeah, New XCOM looks beautiful. Like really um visually really nice and also just very slick and you wouldn't uh you wouldn't know it was a turn-based game that sounds kind of derisive <laughs> to turn-based games but <laughs> a lot of them do intentionally look very uh static and kind of dry because yeah this looks like a proper action game and it isn't it's a turn-based game so that's the best of both worlds <laughs>
0: I guess the thing is that most turn or a lot of turn-based games get quite abstract and cover the map with hexes yeah. and stuff like that, whereas this doesn't. This looks a little bit Gears of Warzy almost, with marines with big shoulder pads hiding behind things and and shooting at aliens. Hmm. It's a horrible bit
3: where a guy who's got kind of like an alien infection actually turns into a completely different kind of alien in a very gruesome like burst. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of the big things with XCOM Enemy Unknown, both the original game and the remake, is that you can mess up, you can fail, you can lose your soldiers, or in fact you can just lose the fight against the aliens entirely.
3: Yeah, and they're saying it's in the sequel, that you can, uh, yeah, there's a certain number of people who are on the funding board to like keep the old XCOM department in business, and if you lose half of
0: them, then the game just ends, <laughs> because you failed to save the world. <laughs> that's awesome, that's exactly the kind of experience I love in games, but... Diablo 3 goes out of its way to stop you from being able to do things like that whereas you are saying that you were saying last week, well two weeks ago on the podcast that Torchlight 2 doesn't
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question about whether like, whether players should have the ability to permanently screw themselves over, because Torchlight 2 does give you that like, you put points and skills, and up to level 10 you can respec for free, but then after level 10 every point you put in a skill is in there forever. And if it was the wrong decision, you ruined your character. <laughs> You've got to start again. <laughs> and uh, that was true in Diablo, of course. Like Diablo 1 mm. and 2 had no way to respec. Um, and if you put a skill point wrong, then you, your character was just less effective than it would have been. And if you put one skill point wrong because you wanted to try something and then you didn't like it, that was a bit of a waste. But if you put a skill point in and you liked it, and then you kept on putting skill points in, and then you read on the internet that skill is useless compared to all the other skills you could have had, mm. and now your build just won't work on Nightmare, and you, you're completely fucked. That's That was kind of the inspiration for how Diablo 3 systems, is Jay Wilson, the lead designer, was very keen to get away from that system of, you know,
0: having to guess what, or having to read on the internet what, how you should build your character to make it optimal. Do we think that games are better when they give you the freedom to screw up? Um,
3: I'm surprised how little it bothers me in Torchlight 2. <laughs> I'm saying it as though it's a terrible thing. But actually, it's kind of... I almost like it. It's... Um, I actually found myself completing i played as every class through the torchlight beta which is like three four hours um and i finished at the engineer and afterwards engineer was my favorite class and i went back and played as another engineer and made different skill choices and tried a different build and i'm never gonna do that by 3 I've, I've got a character in all of the classes and i was looking at the demon hunter was the last one i played and so it was my lowest level character and uh when i upgraded her gear i was putting her old gear into the stash for the next character and then i'm like oh I'll never create another character. This is it. <laughs> There's never oh, any right. point in creating a new demon hunter because she'll have access to the same skills mm. as my current one. Yeah. I, I guess, guess you just know what other path to take.
2: I think like the the thing is, the big the big deal in this for me, up, I mean, we we discussed before about how the loot isn't that much of a big deal at least not on the really yeah. early early kind of stages of the game. Like those skills are so important. If I didn't get to play with those skills, then it just really annoy me. And the other thing is when I pick when I pick a rune or something, I have no idea how that's going to look or feel. Like, yeah. sc- I know I'll know when I'm exiting the, the menu that it's going to, you know, slow someone down or it's going to freeze someone. But the actual, you know, physical feeling of doing that skill can, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just guessing. That's part of the most exciting part: getting in there waiting for the cooldown to finish on putting a new skill in and just clicking the button and seeing what happens. Mm. Like if you if you didn't get to kind of choose between those and fiddle yeah. It.
3: I think definitely being able to try things out before you use them is kind of essential. Mm. Like that's the thing I don't like what like do is when I'm trying to decide what to, what to pick next all I've got is 60 words of text from the developers trying mm. to describe <laughs> how that works and <laughs> like that's not really good enough for a game. I need mm. to be able to actually see how it works. I think the thing is with XCOM as well the best games give you
1: the illusion and the ability to fail but should design it so you can't do that double thing where you do the wrong thing like you pour into the wrong things and you're, you're down a path like you should be a way to get down that bad path and then go beat beep, beat beep, beep and back up and then try the other way <laughs>
3: yeah I, that's what I was thinking for Dulltry too. Is it would just be cool if you could always respec if you only have one point in a skill mm. so you put one point in and try it out and then take it back out if you don't like it but if you decide you do like it and you start putting points
0: into it mm. then you permanently committed Yeah, I think there's a difference between having interesting failure states which is what I like so I like the idea of XCOM Enemy Unknown having a 10th a battle with aliens and losing the soldier that I've built up over 30 hours and I like permadeath and roguelikes and stuff mm. like that where I what I don't like is that kind of oblivion levelling thing where oh I just broke my character because the game feels broken or unbalanced in some way Yeah, and I worry that Torchlight 2 would end up feeling that way does it feel like oh I just broke my character this was just a waste of 20 hours of progress. Now I have to start again. I have no chance to ever read. I should add at
3: this point that I don't know whether there will be some way to respec. As far as I know, there wasn't in Torchlight, because I used a mod in Torchlight 1 um, that would make a respec potion available. Yeah. And, and yes, in Torchlight 2, they've obviously changed their mind a little bit, because they're letting you respec up to level 10. But in the beta, they didn't, there's no indication of any way to respec ever. And the guy who respecs level 10 says, after level 10, you can't do this. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, some way, if there is some way to do it, like it costs a lot of gold or something. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like I say, it's just hard to judge because level ten is when you can respec, and level fourteen or fifteen is about when the beta ends in Torchlight Two, mm-hmm. so they really get a sense of being totally screwed. I did have loads of regrets about my character. That <laughs> shit, so I really <laughs> should have put point into that. Like, there's a, some of them. One thing I don't like is that some of them kind of ask you to commit to a weapon. So with the engineer, you can use two-handed weapons, or you can use sort, well, you can use any weapon um, as any class. But um, the engineer has some skills that improve. Uh, his effectiveness with the two-handed weapon. And then there's one skill that uh, means if you're using a sword and a shield, the armor value of your shield is added to your damage. Or it's like a fifth of it or something is mm. added to your damage, which is an amazing boost. Um, but if you take that and then you start putting points into it to increase it, that's it. You're using swords and shields for the rest of your life. Mm. Because if you mm. stop using that, then you've wasted it. I think that's kind of bad design. Um,
0: but in general, yeah, I can't really judge, but it doesn't seem like a too huge of a problem. It's interesting that the, the designers are kind of wrestling with how much consequence to give the players, though.
3: Yeah, I think the the trick is the amount of time between you making a mistake and discovering it was a mistake. <laughs> so if you put a point wrong in a, a, in a skill and uh, any time in a game you make a permanent decision, you should know the consequences of it fairly shortly afterwards. Because if it's a decision you make at the start of the game and then 20 hours in you realise it was the wrong thing to do, then you've got to repeat 20 hours of game and the other 19 hours might have been fine and so you've got to do those 19 hours the same way and the Mm. needs to reverse one decision. So I think you need good, A, a good preview of what your decision is going to, what the consequences are going to be and then uh, B, good feedback on (laughs) whether it did work. Mm. It's funny that you mentioned that
1: and then Mass Effect 3 it's the way it is because we don't like the idea of knowing what our decision is going to be like, <laughs> like I went back and did exactly that with Mass Effect 3 I went back and changed with the Mass Effect 2 yeah, ending and then we did 20 hours again of, of Mass Effect 3 to get back to exact same state same answers to everything just except that one decision has
0: been changed Because we, but we don't want that for story but we do want it for mechanics It's you know, I, I've got two games I'm playing at the moment one is Diablo 3 and one is DZ the mod for Arma 2 which we touched on in the last podcast, because it's, it's been so successful and got so much buzz around it that people are actually buying Arma 2 on Steam now specifically to try this mod. And it's com- the complete opposite experience of Diablo 3. <laughs> whereas Diablo 3, I kind of feel, I know if I play that for two hours, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to click on lots of monsters and they're going to die and a number is going to increase. And I know the shape of that experience. Whereas *DZ* is this open world, persistent zombie game set on a 220 square kilometre island, just surrounded with, uh, covered in other people, some of whom are survivors, some of whom are bandits, and you have to go into towns to get food and water to survive, and you might get shot by someone who's trying to steal your stuff, or you might get eaten alive by zombies and that kind of thing, and if you lose your character, you lose all that progress. And so it's this incredibly risky, tense thing, which where consequences are completely permanent and I find I'm more, I'm more drawn to that experience than I am to playing Diablo <laughs> because I feel like I, I know what I'm going to get if I open up Diablo 3 whereas mm. this other thing going to be completely surprising and much more exciting to me
3: Something mm. you, you guys were saying about Day Z I haven't played it myself yet but um, I found it really interesting that if you kill people or do, do bad things your skin changes to mm. be a bandit skin so everyone can tell visually that you are a bad dude yeah. Like you just start deciding awesome. to dress like a badass. And that's another like permanent choice thing. Um and I love that because every time I fight bandits in a game, I'm like why are you really? going <laughs> bandit is that a job? Like in Skyrim, about ninety percent of everything I've ever killed is just a bandit. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Really, is there that many bandits? Are they just stealing from each other? What are they stealing? <laughs>
1: it's what I always found weird in Stalker, just the whole like you know, just, no one goes. It's really, it's really rare and really dangerous to be in here. But it's just shitloads of bandits everywhere. You know, yeah. they kind of, do, they kind of do a bit in the lore with the, the zombified a little bit, so the brains are turned to mush. But.
3: I just like the in Days that when you see a bandit, that's actually a player who's made a decision Mm, to mm. to screw somebody else over and kill them and take their stuff. And
0: And it's It's such a powerful decision because it's so easy to kill another player, to shoot them twice and Mm. take their stuff, and that can have such great benefits. But it immediately marks you out as an outsider, and you can't go near other non-bandits at that point because they'll just shoot you because they know that you're a bad guy and they can't trust you. Well, bandits are often friendly to bandits yeah. so they do, they do team up camps, uh, honor the, among the, jerks. they team up and, and move into towns. Oh, I
3: like that.
1: the fact that you say that it's so easy to shoot a man two times and take his stuff <laughs> you tried to shoot a man two times yesterday and
0: take his stuff and ended up bleeding and dying in a bush <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a story behind that which was if you log out of the game it saves your character on a central server so then whatever server you then connect to the next time you're in the same place with all the same stuff but while you're logged out you're need for food and drink continues to increase so you have to, like a Tamagotchi almost, like log in to feed (laughs) your character and get water. So I logged in and I didn't have any food or drink because I hadn't had any when I'd logged out and I was really hungry and really thirsty and at a certain point you start to die if you don't do something about that so there was this power station and power stations are one of the places in the game where you know that loot will spawn inside so there might have been food and drink in there. So I'm trying to get into this power station and there are zombies around and I'm trying to sneak past them and I spot another human being and I freak out and I run away. <laughs> and he, he, runs like up, he runs up the mountain after me and we, we get up to the side of this hill and we kind of stop and we look at each other for a little bit and he's not a bandit, he's just got a regular skin. And then he's talking to someone else who I can't see who's like, and they're trying to get into the power station as well. And so I'm now, I'm now up on this hill next to this other guy And I'm starving and I'm really thirsty (laughs) and I've only got five bullets left for my handgun. And that's all I've got. And so there's a good chance that even if I do get into the petrol station and there is food and water there, which isn't guaranteed, that I won't be able to get out alive. I'll just be eaten by zombies. On the other hand, I'm standing next to this guy who's got his back turned. (laughs) And I've, I've... the average length of a player's life in this game is 28 minutes at the moment, and I've been alive for 11 hours. I've killed over 30 zombies. Oh, I've nice. got a positive morality rating because I haven't killed anyone yet, and all I've done is given people blood transfusions to help them out and that sort of stuff. But to say I'm going to do it, I'm going to shoot this guy. So I shoot him twice in the head, and he kind of lags out at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, so he's just standing there with down. blood spewing from his face <laughs> but he hasn't he hasn't, <laughs> <fallen>. <laughs> he hasn't fallen over and I can't tell if he's, he's dead or not and I'm Graham was running around him at this point what's he doing what's he doing What's I he do? t- I can't tell if he's if he's going to shoot me if he's still alive what's going on and I can't look his body because he hasn't fallen down yet <laughs> and as I'm standing on the side of this <laughs> mountain there's this crap and the screen shakes and turns slightly red and I've been shot by this guy's friend and I can't tell where he's shooting from or what gun he's got or anything like that And then there's another crack and I get hit again. And I was like, shit, now I'm bleeding. So I run up this mountain. My blood is trickling down because there's a little measure of it on the screen. And I'm getting to the point where I'm going to pass out in a second. So I get up and I dive behind some bushes. And I've got bandages. Now, usually to apply the bandages, you press the middle mouse button and it brings up this little context-sensitive menu. You scroll to the bandage and you left click and you apply the bandage. It stops the bleeding. And that would allow me to have run away and hopefully got you know a blood transfusion from someone else or found food and water and that kind of thing but they just released a patch to try and make the inventory system more intuitive and i couldn't work <laughs> out how to apply a bandage Ironia. because it doesn't work on the middle mouse button anymore you have to go into your pack by pressing G to bring up the gear and then right click, but not right click on the ward bandage in the inventory list. Right click okay. on the picture of the bandage on the right of the screen. And I didn't know that and I was right clicking on the bandage to the ward and I was pressing B and I couldn't work out how to do it, so my 11-hour-old character just sat in a bush and bled to death. <laughs> they holding a to, bandage. Yeah. He didn't understand that to apply a bandage to arm. Yeah, because they updated it to make it more intuitive. <laughs> I think the best thing about
1: the whole—I mean, obviously that's a great story—but then the other person who probably got a similarly great story. Like
3: the story of the guy who started bleeding from the head. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the blood! As a
0: out when he stopped lagging, he was dead. Okay. <laughs> so I did kill him. But the sniper must be like,
1: oh, at least me and my friend spent. Four hours trying to fight each other on this hillside, and we found this guy as well. We thought we'd join our crew, this, <laughs> this, we'd take him on board, and this guy slowly—I t- watched him through my sniper scope. He slowly <laughs> turned to my friend, <laughs> plugged him in the head, and then ran into a bush. Yeah, and the sniper had this great experience of, of shitting me in the The worst thing From is, we found
3: ten bandages on him. <laughs> <laughs> So does your character
2: kind of kind of level up in any way as you want? It's just always just to keep him alive for fun kind
0: of thing. keep him alive for fun and try and find loot. So then, I there's, guess of there's, course you'll end up with mega really nice yeah, guns and so stuff. Everyone starts off with just a, a Makarov, with a, which is a pistol and some mm-hmm. ammo for that, a little bit of food and water, some bandages and some flares, and that's it. And that gun's okay. But you can then go out into the world and find dozens of different kinds of shotguns, sniper rifles, machine guns. You can find cars and fix them up and then have a little car that you can drive oh, around. Oh, no, the way. way! There's a helicopter, which I've never, wow. I've never found or even seen either of those because they're incredibly rare. And even if you find one that's fixable, you have to find the parts to fix it and find the fuel to fuel it. <laughs> so There's an extra stuff. level as wow. well, where, you
1: know, the learning of that, flying an armour helicopter's tough enough. Like yeah. Trying to actually fly a helicopter in armour <laughs> when you find them, spawn one in front of you is a nightmare. Trying to do that when you have to find one, find all the stuff, and then watch out for zombies all the
0: time, pretty hellish. So, like, the reason my character was so valuable wasn't just that he'd been alive for eleven hours. It was that his stats were that he'd killed over thirty zombies, and also that I had loads of bandages. I mm. had uh, yeah, a, a yeah. big rifle on my back and stuff like that. And now I have to start again, and I was pretty devastated. <laughs> I thought your story was going to end with you kind of looking in
2: the mirror and discovering you're a bandit, <laughs> <laughs> be like, "No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no!
3: <laughs> that would be a good ending. <laughs> Get this bandana off uh, me!" <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, when I tried, I tried to play it a bit, but I, it's got a, a proper day-night cycle. So when I went in, it was it was probably about eleven o'clock at night, and it was about eleven o'clock at night in the game, <laughs> and I, it's it's dark, and it's dark in a way that you can't see the gun that you're wielding. And I had to, I had to shoot the gun a few times to make sure it was a gun I was had in my hand. And then because I was pressing all the buttons on the keyboard because I couldn't remember how armor worked, hurled my gun on the floor. <laughs> And it was pitch black, <laughs> and the, the grass, the ground was covered in grass. So it's was, was just this man <laughs> in pitch black, just, there's zombies everywhere, around. So <laughs> oh, I, going to
4: oh, God, where's my gun?
1: <laughs> like, you know, if it was like in real life, I'd probably kick my feet around trying to find it, but I can't do that in the game. So I just ended up, like, vaulting on the spot, and then I decided to sprint to the nearest house and just stood there and, until... I logged off because it you know, <laughs> <laughs> bounced off this thing. See, your first mistake was
0: even firing the gun. Yeah. Like the thing is that the zombies hear noises from far away, and so, like I found a a, a pretty good rifle, a Lee Enfield rifle, which is powerful, and I can kill anything in one hit. But I dare not fire it because it makes so much noise; it alerts zombies from miles around, That's or cool. just alerts bandits to where I am. So you're constantly it's got this constant risk-reward thing of, do I risk sneaking into town and alerting the horde? Do I risk firing my gun and alerting the horde? And and so. I'd love to have the bandit... You said the other day about having the bandit
1: lifestyle, living in the cave. But I'd love to have the lifestyle where you just... You listen out for shots. Like, mm. you, all you do is just sit around in a car, quietly idling, and just waiting for someone to shoot. And then go, right, I'm going to get him.
0: Clear out the zombies first, and then get the guy and get all this stuff. Yeah, I'm going to have a little posse and have a little, little car, little banger, yeah, also, and we but, just ride around the island fucking people love. <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> like that sounds, sounds so hatchback. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so what do people need to do if they want to play this?
2: It's, it's Armour 2 combined operations they Yeah, need, isn't it? Which, Which is a combination
0: is- of Armour 2, Operation Harrowhead, and private military company. It's
2: not, you don't need PMC, you need... So
1: Armature and Operation Arrowhead, and I think it might just be Operation Arrowhead now. No. We've, yeah, we, we, we have save. got like combined a, ops. an
2: extremely detailed guide with all links and stuff
1: on, yeah, on the website. Yeah, so. if you go
0: to pcgamer.com, Combined Ops is 25 quid at the moment, and that's mm. what most people are buying. because yeah, It's, it's, come it's come also just dead good is. as a base game. Mm. Bohemia's other game that I'm working on now, which no one ever really talks about, is Carrier Command. And Tom, you've played that, and it's just got a release date, hasn't it?
3: Yep, it's going to be September the 27th, which is the day before my birthday. (laughs) It's um, Carrier Command Gaia Mission, which is kind of a remake of Carrier Command, which is released in like 1974 or something. (laughs) It's one of the oldest games. Um, But it was ridiculously ambitious, and now, you know, who likes to make ambitious, glitchy games? (laughs) Bohemia! And it's actually awesome. You're in command of a battleship. And it's a fucking huge... It's an aircraft carrier, actually. It's a huge aircraft carrier. And you don't kind of, like, steer it with a keyboard or anything. You're kind of... You're in a command room, and you're looking at a strategic map, and you tell it which island you want to sail your battleship to. Candy island. And uh, then, at any time, you can come out of that mode and stop it and and control the carrier more directly, so you can man any of the guns on it. Um, Or you can get in one of the planes that's on the launch pads and um, fly off and then fly around wherever you want to go. Um, Or you can get in one of the amphibious tanks that's latched onto the side side, and they drop you into the sea and then you scoot off and, uh, you know, drive up on the shore and kill things with that. Um, And you can also order any of those things around, like an RTS. So from your your carrier command, um, you uh, give orders to all these things. Then you decide, well, okay, what really matters is, you know, I want my tanks to uh, disembark here. Um, go inland, drive up the beach, take out that AA gun, and then after that I want the planes to swoop in. I want want to do a scouting run to find out what's over that cliff and then um, have the tanks go around the side of that and through this this valley um, and then have like fighters engage these guys, bombers engage these guys, and then think about that plan and okay, well, what really really needs to happen is that scout needs to do its job perfectly, so I'm going to control the scout. And so you've told everyone what to do and then you just press F3 or whatever to get in the um, slot number three, which is the plane, and then you're sitting in the plane as the uh, deck opens up above you, and you're raised up on this platform, and that goes Tchoo! and you're launched into the <laughs> air, and then you just fly it like a flight and you're just zooming around, watching everyone play out your orders beneath you, while you you know have dog fights in the air and try and dodge all the anti-air stuff, and uh, and then if you decide, hey, those those are uh, your amphibious tanks are called walruses. <laughs> <laughs> Walrus Ron's being an idiot, he's got stuck. Um you can just press a key to switch to him and the AI will take over what you're controlling and then mm. you're in the tank and you're steering that. Um it was, re- it was really, really good fun when I played the beta. It was, however, deeply glitchy <laughs> <laughs> and one of the main problems with it was the AI couldn't drive over this terrain. Like it was I don't know if it was accustomed to armor um Huge open flat landscapes, but these are very small islands with lots of cliffs and ridges and uh, hills and stuff. And it didn't seem like there was any kind of, um, you know, designer map for how the AI should navigate it. So it was all trying to figure it out, you know, procedurally, and it would just keep on trying to dry out slopes <laughs> that it couldn't get up and get get bumped into things. And they obviously, they knew this would happen because there's a detection thing in it to tell when something is stuck, and you get a report in over the radio saying. Walrus 1 is stuck. <laughs> oh, Walrus God. 2 is stuck. Walrus like 3 is stuck. Mm. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, 1 is down, <laughs> but it's just <laughs> stuck because the AI doesn't work. That was, when was the beta? That was a long time ago to fair, It was about six months ago, it was like.
0: Okay, and it's out in September, so hopefully they'll, yeah. f- they'll fix that stuff.
3: I'm really looking forward to it because even if it's that glitchy, I still I just want to take my... Mm. my Aircraft carrier to new islands and fuck things up.
0: So <laughs> you're ambushing
3: a kind of HQ or something on an <laughs> island, are you? Yeah, there's like a, loads of um, enemy bases and there's different objectives and different ones, and um, they've got like um, little soldiers and tanks and planes and the stuff of their own, and they're trying to defend it.
0: These seem like really obvious ideas. <laughs> like carrier mm. command is just like yeah. Didn't why someone else made that? That station's made right in Pacific, Did they do they? Similar yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, in so, World War Two. Yeah, we're just with. Planes? wasn't Well, you could direct your maybe your I boats. Think you could as have well. boats,
3: man, turrets and stuff. But okay, but thing is uh, What I like about this is it's just so focused. Like, there's just you have an aircraft carrier with four tanks and planes, and so all the the kind of variables are known, and it's just about how you use those. And you know, um, the RTS part of it works pretty well. Hmm. You can also do like R and D research, and researching you know, better parts for these things and decide which ones you want to invest in improving and things. One of your tanks is an anti-air one, so you kind of it's quite cool to have him go to a particular spot that you know you're going to be having a dogfight over, and then he'll be beneath you when you're manning the plane, so as you're having dogfights, you can kind of lure them back into where you know you've placed your anti-air tank.
0: It seems like Bohemia just have the tech now, that they can just do awesome things. Yeah. There's like,
3: yeah, isn't they by someone from Bohemia?
0: Yeah, it's by someone who's actually working on Armour 3 He works there, which is really cool in itself. But it's like, there's Gettysburg Armoured Warfare, which is tries to do a similar thing with huge scale battles of 64 players, where each 64 players is controlling a little squad of RTS units but can hop into the, the infantry or the battleships or the tanks. And it doesn't really work predominantly because it doesn't feel anything like a first-person shooter or a third-person shooter, rather. It, it, the guns feel crap and the collision doesn't work and stuff like that. But the armour engine, I guess, is just so even though it's quite glitchy and fiddly in a lot of ways, is robust and brilliant at doing these huge landscapes mm. and, and does feel pretty good as a shooter and can simulate guns nicely. And so mm. once you've got all that tech, you can quite quickly say, oh, let's turn it into a persistent zombie MMO. Oh, let's turn it into a sci-fi game. That's really cool. What else have you been playing, Tom? Um,
3: <laughs> I've been playing everything we talk about, basically. <laughs> like <laughs> Diablo 3 and... Um, everything else, uh, but the one thing we haven't talked about is Rayman Origins, which I only just got into, like, a couple of weeks ago, um, which everyone wouldn't shut up about when I the console. Yes, well done, console guys, you've got a fantastic platformer again, but it's Rayman, it's probably shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then it came to PC, so I'm like, oh, maybe it is good. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, played it, and yeah, it's incredibly good. It's, uh, it's amazing how quickly it completely sold me, because I'm very, kind of, I'm not, I don't really enjoy hardcore platformers. Like, I don't really just get pleasure over ju- from jumping over things. Um, I need platformers to do something interesting, like Spelunky, where it's randomized and mm. um, stuff like that. And uh, so I was expecting it to kind of, if I did eventually appreciate it, it would be kind of like uh, a slow burn. But no, like, right from level one. You're just like, whoa! <laughs> I'm going incredibly fast, and every bit of scenery is absolutely gorgeous. And then, like, as I'm running down this thing, I jump on, like, a weird vine thing, it shoots me not just into the air, but into the background. So the thing that was the parallaxing background, I'm now running along. <laughs> and there's just every level, like the, well, the first couple are kind of, they're all in the same, um, uh, format at least. And they're all incredibly fast moving and have all, like everything in the level moves. So just everything you touch either explodes or unfurls into the mm-hmm. giant plant or, you know, bounces and, uh, it feels incredibly like responsive and, uh, then after the first like three levels, it's just completely different. Like, you and I played a level then co-op, um, mm. where it was suddenly we're in the desert and everything is music based, and so we're running along like lines that have sound vibrations going down them, and you have to jump over those. And then it also like plays a tune as you're jumping on all these hmm. drums and stuff.
0: <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't just music though, was it? Wasn't it like specifically Mexican music or something like that, or had like a a theme beyond that? Yeah. It, it visually looks so beautiful, like. It looks Disney, a lot Disney better animated cartoon, yeah, yeah. like kind of thing.
1: Is not just a shame that it's Rayman, though? It's a bit weird. But, but He's uh, got
2: all the funny little deals with him as well. It's not just him, is it? He's, all his little buddies are really. Yeah, you can change characters, them. can't you, as you go
0: along? Yeah.
3: Mm. I like. Th- there is some kind of story to it, but uh, what I like about it is that it doesn't require you to pay any attention <laughs> whatsoever. So to me, it's just completely surreal. It's just I'm this weird dude with no limbs, <laughs> and then my friend is like a giant. He looks like a pitcher plant <laughs> a guy. He's just this huge, like sort of tub <laughs> and uh, the animations for everyone there's loads of different characters um, we've unlocked like six or something and there's like twenty um, and all of them have their own unique animations and they're all like really interesting and cool there's a mage guy who instead of punching kind of like creates waves of force and they're all I think they're all functionally exactly the same but um, they just find new ways to animate it. Mm. and then the pitcher plant guy when he's hanging onto an edge, he just does it with his teeth. <laughs> he doesn't use his <laughs> arms at all. And uh, to duck, he just deflates himself, so he just kind of <laughs> squishes out to the side.
1: What, Rich, what have you been playing? I've been playing
0: something with you, Graham. Uh, but we talked about that last time. Did we talk about FIFA last time? Oh, you weren't here. We talked. I asked the question of how obnoxious was it when I played FIFA in the office with you? <laughs> yeah. And the consensus was that it was so so obnoxious <laughs> that most of the team had blocked it out.
2: <laughs>
1: That's I, I, I obnoxious. quite enjoy
0: watching your your games. Well, you get into it. You start teasing Rich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's really winding them cool. up. It's so cool. It doesn't
3: take much Europe. of an excuse for <laughs> that. No. Uh, no,
1: was, you, Graham, start winning. You start winning. Cups now, so we play time, online. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we play online the online friendly system and it keeps track of your, your wins and losses. It should do it in, in the offline game, we're saying today, but it doesn't. And it's, it's quite bad for not keeping track of the game. We've we played to play some obscene number of games now.
0: Well, the thing was that when we started playing this, I hadn't played a FIFA game. I was in better than. Because I beat you every time. And the last football game I played was PES 2006. Mm. Whereas you've been playing quite a lot of FIFA over the last three, four years. Yeah. And now I beat you all the time. All the time. <laughs> why, why, <laughs> the why, why, is, why the tables turned? What's, what's happening? Graham
1: got good. <laughs> and <laughs> and Rich rubbish. In
0: turn, uh, rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. Rubbish. I mean, have, would I nine thing thing of eleven could, cups under my belt. You if could I was could rubbish. tell
2: Rich, which would make him win the games all of a sudden which you're not going to tell him,
0: obviously. I've got one or two things, which I think I could point out. But I'm <laughs> sure he's got the same about me. We're,
1: we're this weird yeah. thing now where we... the Like, if someone gets the ball and does something, the thing they're about to do is never... is We assume it's never going to be the obvious option. So if you get the ball on the wing, you don't turn around and just run up the wing, which is what you probably should do. Because the assumption is the other person knows you're going to do that so you can't it in, and, and you stand where the person's going to cut in so they cut inside and bring it into the middle of the pitch rather than stay on the wing because that's you're sure it's that, not you doing that though that's no, but what Graham's winning but now now we're at the point where we've gone back again so we're we we're actually doing the obvious option but the person has done the non-obvious option in defence so you, you should get it and play over the wing and we are doing that <laughs> but the person has covered the cut inside <laughs> instead so we're double overthinking it and we're, we're triple bluffing each other and not getting the right thing
2: Maybe you're quadruple bluffing, Graham
1: triple bluffing. That's well, if, if you're I'm quadruple so. bluffing, then I'm beating Graham, but I'm not enough at the moment. So I need to get back to quadruple bluffing.
0: It is ridiculous to the point where I predict that Rich is going to turn in, so I, I stop my defender to block him from doing that. He doesn't do that for like half a second, and then he does. So like I've predicted <laughs> he's going to do it like a second ahead of time, and right. even though I've like he can see that I've stopped, he still reflexively still turns in because we just it just becomes habit see, but, like you start off playing FIFA intuitively
1: and then you start playing counter intuitively and then you need to go on into playing counter counter intuitively <laughs> but we haven't got that so we're still at the counter intuitive
2: phase just, just b- go back to me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just foot kick it in the in the in the basketball and that whatever
0: it is, is <laughs> what <you're gonna> <laughs> we've been trying it doesn't work <laughs> what have you been playing owen
2: uh i've you know to be honest with you i've played <laughs> a lot of Diablo. i guess we could talk about what's Cobalt? your favorite skill my favourite skill in Diablo is the bell the monk's yeah, bell yeah, the bell's good. I've got a build which is just dedicated to maximum bell it's, <laughs> it's not it's not practical to, it's not you know but I play on normal explain what the skill actually is. yeah the bell just brings you know it li- literally brings down a huge bell from the sky <laughs> and then a kind of shockwave appears you know beyond Dead it said bell. so it just goes the
3: fun thing boom. about it is that all the monk skills are really like spiritual they're all like like shield a punch and then like a wave of force kind of channels that punch punch into a blast of air and it's, it's mm. all quite like wishy-washy and um, and abstract and then this is the only skill where just a physical actual <laughs> bell drops from space <laughs> and just lands on someone with a clang and then you punch the bell like <laughs> yeah. the way of force isn't even a magical one you just punch the bell really hard <laughs> yeah.
2: people love the bell like the first time you bring the bell out Someone in <laughs> chat's always like,
3: "Yeah, <laughs> I like your bell." Ever since I thought of it, I can't stop humming. Uh, I put a spell on you, but with I put a bell on you? <laughs> put a bell on you.
0: You guys have also been playing Ghost Recon Online now. Oh, haven't that's you? true.
3: Yeah, we have. Yeah, we went through a phase of that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it then happened. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's really you know it's a cool game. It's not out um, properly yet. It's in beta, but um. I think I was enjoying what what I I played (laughs) it.
3: We think we may have enjoyed it. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Surprisingly slick. It's um, I kind of you and I both played it previously, haven't we? We Different Mm. trips, and both of us came back saying the same thing, which is, "Hey, this is actually quite good." (laughs) Like you don't expect it to be because it's free to play, and Mm. there's just an assumption that it's going to be really, um, you know, knocked off.
1: But we seem to got our act together with the Ghost Recons a bit because people have been giving the other one really good scores. Future Soldier is doing Mm. quite well. Like Future uh, uh, Warfighter, Soldier of Wars. (laughs) Yeah. on
0: PC now as well. So,
1: well, it's yeah, out soon on it out. Might
0: be. Well, yeah, not out now, but I mean, it's coming to PC because originally it was just going to be console only.
2: Hmm.
0: I think, I think with um,
2: Ghost Recon Online, you know, I, I know it's, I guess it is the norm now to do it right, but it's free to play and it's not broken again. The
3: best thing, but, sorry, you know, I was just
2: saying. I mean, I think they've everyone always references League of Legends system, but hmm. I think they've kind of done that. But instead of characters, you buy a gun, and then you own that gun forever. And then the other bits around the gun, like your scope or your sna- or, or or the you know extended magazine and stuff, that's the kind of thing that you can feasibly pay for or unlock
3: over time. Hmm. I was, okay. um, I'd say the guns in Ghost Recon Online are super exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not usually that into kind of buying better kit for my character. Like I, I like it, but I don't like it enough to pay real money usually but um, I guess we've gone online the guns just look fucking awesome. Just every, every notch above what you start with is just, just looks brutal and weird and <laughs> cool. They're all based on real tech. But, um, mm. yeah, Give us an just, example. They do a really good job. Well, it's hard to, like, spine well, mangler To, to convey then. with words why a gun looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest one? Oh, well, there's there, like, um, the, the there's G- one called the Ultramax. <laughs> <which> <laughs> <is a laughs> Razz- okay. Ultra.
1: We want really, to
0: really get across that this is really Max. <laughs> <How laughs> we really? <laughs> <laughs> we, well, we made the Max last year, and we couldn't really think where to go from there. Uh, the other news at the moment is that Company of Heroes 2 has been announced. If you are a subscriber or a reader of PC Gamer magazine, it should be. <laughs> this is true. Then you'll already know that. Um, but they've announced it now as well. Did it's, we announce
3: it? I mean, were we the first to say it existed?
0: Uh, we were the first in the magazine, yeah. Because they didn't put out a press release saying that it existed. So we did it <laughs> for them. Which is nice. Uh, and it's set in the Eastern Front during World War Two. Did any of you guys play the original? Yes. What did you think? I thought
1: it was incredibly... Competent and in the time <laughs> <master>. <laughs> incredibly competent. I mean, I mean that in a really for nice it. way as well. Like it, it never had any kind of like everything you did, you, you meant to do. Like if you if you <laughs> thought I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna I've got, I've got a plan, I've got a strategy, and if I do this, I think this is how it should play out in my head. And then in most strategy games, you do it, and then there's a wall, a low wall that says, "Oh no, the game designers think, oh, you can't do that, that will be cheating, or that would be weird, or that's not the way you meant to do it." Whereas in Company of Heroes, I, either everything they let you do most things, or it was really well designed, it made me feel like I was
2: inventing it myself. Why do people think it's the game from God then? What's the deal? Then? You do love it, don't you? You love it.
0: I do. Most of the, most strategy games are Command & Conquer or StarCraft type of thing where you build up a big mass of units and then you throw it at the enemy. And there is nuance beyond that, but it doesn't look a lot You're like real war. <laughs> <laughs> whereas if you want a game which has like real battle tactics and stuff like that you've got to go to the turn-based stuff or the wargaming stuff yeah. Company of Heroes was a mixture of the two, it was using very small squads of infantry and the occasional tank to move through Auburn environments with no base building and very little resource management and that kind of thing and just you know using actual squad <sighs> tactics to take cover behind that row of hedges to flank your enemy to use grenades to blow a hole in that wall so you can move through that building to smash your tank through the building and that sort of stuff. And so it felt very real and very cinematic and very slick. Yeah. And it was kind of in the same way that, you know, first-person shooters felt like Quake and they were running about arcade shooty, but then, like, Medal of Honor yeah. made it much more cinematic by being inspired by Saving Private Ryan. Company of Heroes was the RTS game that was inspired by Saving Private Ryan. And the, and the first mission is that D-Day beach landing thing of you pushing up, and it, it just feels... It's that balance between being really tactical and very small details, and being really bombastic and cinematic and, and feeling huge. And the cool thing about Company of Heroes Two is actually that they're focusing purely on maintaining that stuff. Like they talked a lot when I went out to see them about how, with Dawn of War Two, they decided to mix up the formula from the first game a lot and make it very different from Dawn of War One. Whereas Company of Heroes Two, they've decided. Actually, let's just make the first game again, but do it more and slightly better. Mm. Which sounds like which is the kind of thing that developers don't normally say, and the normal the kind of, the kind of thing we normally condemn them for. But actually, here it's been six years since the last Company of Heroes game, and there's not really much else like it. So they're setting it on the Eastern Front because they say that's where all the biggest battles of World War II are, and that's true. So that can be a really exciting setting. Um, it's mostly set through like snowy environments, and they found ways to, in the same way as the first game used buildings and stuff to give you tactical options. It uses snow in this one, so that snow is actually dynamically painted on top of the map at different depths and builds as it snows throughout the level or like melts through fire and stuff like that. So you like you send your troops through the thinnest part of snow so they can move more quickly, but that's where the enemy will have put their landmines and that kind of thing to force you into the deep snow, to force you to go slow and that sort of stuff. And just really cool tactical Mm. tweaks like that, while making it also much more pretty, much like that kind of thing cover heroes are really good at that that
1: small scale tactics thing where if you know you execute a plan like you say the plan kind of thing where you, I'm going to get up to 50 mammoth tanks and I'm going to push and you do mm-hmm. that and you're like yeah I, I've beaten him because I had 50 mammoth tanks whereas this time it's you know I've got a rifle grenadier and I've got a tank and I can, I can smash that wall there and I can do this and how do I use side? them and their
0: specific skills yeah, to accomplish in, this mission it's almost tool like tool you remember Commandos oh I was
2: going to say Commandos <laughs> <laughs> then you, did, I knew you, I you could
0: that see that in my breath. head <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost that kind of thing like yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's obviously it's it's more a real time strategy so it's bigger fights than Commandos was unless mm. like Commandos was almost puzzly like you were trying to work out solve this little mission for example yeah uh, stroke dog stroke dog but it almost feels like that kind of of very granular mm. level tactics. Mm. Men of War did that quite well but then Men of War also had a lot of times where if you didn't stroke at the exact
1: time when the iron was hot you, you just couldn't do anything you were backed against the corner and you just slowly whittled down whereas I think Company Heroes was slick enough to always make you know you felt clever doing it yeah. and there were various ways through things but you always kind of Men of a way is, to win.
0: Men of War is good because it gives all your troops individual names and like focuses and down on that and hats and focuses those on those kind of story bits um, whereas this is much more Slick and cinematic than I think Men of War games are, and I love the Men of War games as well. But mm. they they are a little bit clunky and that kind of thing. So that should be really cool.
1: I like the fact as well that you know developers always I think they always panic about saying oh, it's the same thing, but more of it because they think people aren't mm-hmm. going to like that. But the reaction to Company of Heroes Two has been almost entirely positive. I haven't, like, I haven't seen yeah. the usual internet backlash at all for it. It's been
0: yeah, yeah, I love the first one. I like more of the first one. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> turns out weird. I like more of what I like like the thing they were saying about Don of War Two was that they thought that if they, you know, reinvented a whole bunch of stuff in it, then it would attract a new audience. And I think what turned out was that they did attract a new audience, but they ended up alienating and frustrating the original audience. So it didn't grow the numbers of people who bought the game. It just replaced one group of people for a different group of people. And both mm-hmm. games did well. But they're hoping that with Company of Heroes Two, it will obviously sell more and, and still appeal to the people who loved the first one. Mm. We've been very positive this podcast so far, which oh, is a nice, nice change, but we should talk about Farmville <laughs> just a little bit. Can
3: I just read what the Farmville news is? Yeah, It's great. <laughs> uh, oh, I think, yeah. So, Farmville players will be able to plant an American Express-branded tree in their farms. If they plant the virtual tree, they'll be nudged to register for a prepaid card and American Express serve program. Then after that, they can add money to their serve account and activate the card. The first five purchases of $25 or more with a card will earn users' extra farm cash. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> 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 this is what we've come to. This is a, a, I guess, tie-in promotion with American Express and Farmville mm. um, in order to use Farmville to make people sign up for American Express cards and use American Express cards to get people Farmville cash.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it kind of what? condemns itself,
3: doesn't it? <laughs> What's yeah, the you don't really need saying about that. What's <laughs> the benefit so of is the Farmville trees, though? What'd you get for them? Like, I think, I think from the way this article... Uh, I think it's a tech article which um, our former colleague, Tim Edwards, pointed to (laughs) me, to. I think they're saying that uh, the virtual tree is the thing you get without having to sign up for an American Express card. So there's a new item in Varnville called an American Express branded tree. (laughs) (laughs) And if you'd like that tree, for whatever benefits (laughs) trees give you in Varnville, you plant it. it And then the the tree nudges you to (laughs) sign up for a prepaid card. It's a a money tree. (laughs) Oh, God. And then if you use that card,
2: yeah, it goes... So instead of getting a credit card, which can feasibly save you cash in real life, you're just going to get some Farmville tree cash instead.
3: Are you going to get a a prepaid American Express card, which will have actual dollars on it? There's a prepaid one as well. mm -hmm.
1: There's different rules for prepaid ones where kids can get them. Ah, really? I wonder if that's why. Really? Yeah, kids are allowed prepaid credit cards. What what in America people did to counterbalance
0: the fact that kids couldn't have credit cards was give them... So their parents buy it for them, essentially. I think so. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember looking at There was
1: but... a, you remember a terrible pop band Simple Plan? They used to have no. their own Sim- Simple Plan branded Mastercard <laughs> while singing about how life was so hard and no one understood them. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that was in that was the end So you could buy merchandise from their online shop as like a sixteen year old because That's... you couldn't afford a credit, card. Okay, you couldn't well, get a credit card. I can
0: understand the benefits of uh, having a prepaid card and being able to give that to your kids. But getting started early on crippling debt, I guess. See, like I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with this because <laughs> we don't care about Farmville. Oh, we don't care about Farmville and Zynga can do whatever the heck they want. But it's weird to me that they are just so brazen. <laughs> <laughs> like there's something. Yeah, they're like,
3: not worried about their image. Are yeah, <laughs> they're
0: just they don't care that you know their brand might look to be commercial or soulless. <laughs> rather, when they're. An American Express-branded tree. It's the fact is a tree as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like <start> an American Express-branded <laughs> bank, for example.
3: Yeah. Uh, the amazing stat that was in the article was that 8.7% um, of Zinger's $321 million in revenue was from advertising. So the other 91.3% is all virtual goods sales. Mm-hmm. So it's just all people buying shit that doesn't exist yeah that's weird isn't it? which is, I guess is what you do in video games anyway
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was going to condemn that and then I realised how much money
0: I've spent on Ultimate <laughs> Team yeah. and Mass Effect boxes real money
3: auction has come soon yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> buying stuff that doesn't exist and that they probably don't still own after they've bought it because it's yeah, property of Zynga at least or, with some games you do own them when you buy them <laughs> mm. very few let's run through the Steam charts number 10 is Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City which is a stupid name for a game, but it's got zombies in, yep. so there you go.
3: And apparently it's bad.
0: So. Supposed yeah, it's supposed to be very also, bad. It's, it's review really really soon from us.
3: Oh well. Cost costs £34.
0: Why is
1: it
2: bad? Uh, it's supposed to be really floaty and
1: flimsy. Guns
2: feel the crap when you shoot the enemies, no feedback from them, um, just really budgety and cheap. Just mm-hmm. hurl waves of zombies
1: at you after, you know. Resident Evil made a really good deal of making zombies quite scary again.
0: Number nine is Skyrim. Number eight is Ghost Recon Future Soldier, which is people pre-ordering it for thirty pounds a pop, which is pretty good going because Ghost Recon has been kind of gone down in the estimation of most gamers, whether you're on PC or console. Uh, Number seven is Max Payne three. Which has slow motion diving in it? It does. I like that. I'm hearing mostly
3: bad things from people who play that. I've, I've kind of had couples.
1: acceptable things, basically. Like it seems, well, it, seems, it seems to be eights and sevens and a few nines spread around here.
0: It seems to be people seem to think it's okay, but everyone's saying that it's not much like the first two games in tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it feels.
3: Is, that was why they were good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it feels apparently it feels more like a rock star game, oh, which okay. which can which might be kind of interesting to see like another developer's take on the same material. And you know, but maybe not. I don't know.
1: Find out soon,
3: review from us soon.
0: Dungeon Defenders Summoner Hero DLC is at number six. It's only uh, three pounds, but that's still pretty good going. It's
3: a new character, so new character class basically. Um, okay. And you can summon crystal minions.
0: <laughs> and Dungeon Defenders is like a tower defense style
3: Yeah, it's tower defense where you you play as a third person action game, like mm. while you're setting shit up, so you can you put down turrets and um uh various static defences but you can also just run around and hit things with your sword as well.
1: Which is better. Orcs Must Die or that one? I think Orcs Must Die is much better. Mm. Why is it... This one's just in co-op. Yeah. Uh,
3: there we go. Which... And when you get into a good co game it's really good but I had real trouble finding anyone who is you know, remotely my level or mm-hmm. a server that worked. Or... It doesn't feel anywhere near as nice as Orcs Must
2: Die as well. Like, yeah, Orcs Must Die is chunky so mechanics-wise. It's not...
0: we've, we've never... Really talked about it much, but the high-res guys are making a MOBA or Dota-style game called Smite, and it's from a third-person perspective. So you're running around with third-person mm-hmm. controlling your character, casting your spells, taking down towers and stuff. Well, and like God's on you, kind of like yeah, that's like, what I mean. Night combat God. is now as well, isn't it? It's, yeah. more, it's
1: much more much more MOBA than it is shooter. Mm.
0: But I I played sorry I played Smite last year at E3 and I didn't like how it felt very much then. But I'm much more interested in it now after Tribes of Sand came out because mm. that was mm-hmm. brilliant. So, like all of a sudden that's really exciting to me. Dart Showdown is at number five, which is the latest Dirt game. I think they've added banger racing to yeah. it. Which, yeah, well, it's, it's not very Dirt gamey. It's much more demolition derby. I like so that idea. A, yeah, kind of like, off, like that's kind of where Dirt went with its last one as well. Like there were multiplayer modes which mm. were smashing into other cars, like, they had a really great zombie mode where one car would start off as the infected zombie yeah, and all the other working. cars had to drive around and <laughs> yes. hide from it. And, <laughs> and it would pass on the inf- infection by just crashing into you. And so you would get, like, whoever was the last remaining I remember non-zombie that car. There's things like that
1: in N64, Beetle Adventure Racing.
2: <laughs> yes, I think that. Yeah. Th- it is like that. And the cool thing was you end up, like, on top of a multi-story car park like, four cars mm. <laughs> just, you know, kind of poking Shh, over the edge. Nobody beats. And, yeah, you see little zombie cars, like, get out of here! And
4: it was like, <laughs> <"Bling!"> <laughs> You
2: know, and you're playing. It's all perfectly simulated physics as well, which makes
0: it even better. It was really fun when I played it. Yeah. Uh, number, number four is Torchlight 2, which is only £15 right. at the moment. And I wonder why people are buying that right, <laughs> right now.
3: It's interesting because, of course, the Steam chart, although it's usually a pretty good uh, cross-section of PC gaming, it is excluding one particularly large game, mm, <laughs> such yeah. as the fastest selling PC <laughs> game ever, Diablo 3. And so the only bit, the only way in which we see Diablo 3's influence on this chart is the fact that Torchlight 2 is suddenly at number <laughs> 4. Um, but yeah, it's great that it is. And I, I think this confirms our suspicion that Diablo 3 is going to be just a net positive force for
0: Ta- Torchlight 2. I don't, yeah. think it's, I don't think competition is really the way to look at it. It's, no. No, it's just going to be brilliantly successful. You know, it's made by such a small team in such a sh- sh- much shorter yeah. period of time compared to Diablo I think that they don't have to sell that many and they're probably going to sell millions. So, I'm sort of
3: suspect, expecting that I will still slightly prefer Diablo 3 by the time it's finished. Although I, I do love Torchlight 2. Um, but given the amount of time they spent on Torchlight 2 and the size of their team and their budget <laughs> got to say the Runic guys are a hell of a lot more efficient at this <laughs> like they make a game almost as good as Diablo 3 and they did it in much much less time and yeah. while accidentally starting to make an MMO first and then changing their mind and making this
0: <laughs> they're still going to do the MMO yeah. but they're going to come back to that later I guess I wonder if they would have turned out Torchlight 2 quicker if they hadn't yeah. been doing, not just that they worked on the MMO specifically, but I think there's a bunch of tech stuff that they did for multiplayer in Torchlight 2 that they probably did so they can carry over into the MMO.
3: Yeah, yeah, it only took them three years with all that
4: mm-hmm.
3: in between so if they, hadn't, if they hadn't ever planned to make an MMO and they're just making this online co-op thing. The online co-op is not it's not like a, as sophisticated as Diablo 3s, it's just servers. There's a server browser, you join a server mm. and you know, it works like that, um, so yeah, I think they could have had it out in two years or less.
0: Hmm. Number three is the Thief Collection, and that's because Thief One and Two have just been added to Steam, which is pretty cool. It's yeah. m- nine pounds fifty. I'm going to go cool back and play them soon. That's my weekend. Hmm. You say it's One and Two, or uh, One and Two have just been added. I guess the Thief Collection probably contains all of them. Right for nine pounds fifty. Number two is Arma 2 Combined Operations which is still <laughs> so in the charts because of Dayz. A, so the fact is it. it's Number actually two. claimed now. Yeah, well, last week it was like four or five so it's actually it's still selling and it's selling more than before. So DC will be, able to
3: play a really difficult to install mod that's really, that includes hours of boredom then moments of brutal unfair action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just and because those
2: stories it, it makes the best stories. Like your story earlier everyone is going to be
0: like I'm going to buy Combined
2: Operations.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See the thing the thing about it is that there's other stories I could tell which are just four hours of pain the game yeah. not working of but me not being able to join servers fine. and stuff but you work so hard for it that those little two minutes of brilliance where mm. you really want to share those stories yeah. Yeah, like yeah, that so, so that's why people are all talking about it and writing yeah. about it it's the perfect games journalist game yeah
1: <laughs> I think I think it's probably the best ever reasoning for adding mod support to your game as well because uh, like you speak mm. to developers and you say to them you know, people always want mod support because it's a nice thing to have a lot of people you know, produce like, a lot of good mods and mods have made a lot of PC game in time, and I always want games to have mod support, but I've never been convinced of the business sense necessarily, so much as just like the servicing sense. Counter Strike is probably a pretty good argument. For yeah, it. that was <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago, and, and you assume maybe that it's not going to happen again because Counter Strike sort of came along mm. at a weird time. Whereas now, you know, you see Bohemia have been fairly honest with the sales and just gone, shit, this has gone mental. Yay, thanks mm. for this. Yep. And if you want to make it a smallish game, you know, not not small like indie, but if you want to make a, like a, not a triple A game, including mod support, this might happen.
0: Yes, but it's I interesting.
2: it's one of the guys cooking it up. I didn't realize it was one of the actual decks We hired him in January, I think. So either, maybe mm. he had showed
0: them he, work. Or yeah, he like had that. in the back burner, maybe, and then he yeah. came to them. Men- uh, and number one is uh, Dead Island, which is interesting in itself. It's but it's been reduced. It's been reduced the- so it's being sold at the moment for eight pounds. I don't know if that's is that short term sale or is, is it that- the game of the year yeah, edition or something like that. Maybe did some people here played it? What did you think of it? I like, right. had huge trouble trying to get in a
1: game. Like, I tried to play with you, Tom and Tom. Yeah, we played for a bit. And just trying to get in, get logged in. It, we'd, I'd lag out all the time. My connection's fine like at home normally. Real trouble trying to do anything.
3: Yeah, I it, it was, it. didn't really find killing things in it all that satisfying. <laughs> just sort of a Floor when that's really all there is to do mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like it when you could throw a, a, like, a,
0: a, like a pen knife at a zombie's face and it would stick in <laughs> I wonder if they're just sat there looking at all the people getting excited about DZ and talking about it and saying <laughs> we made an open world zombie game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it works <laughs> it was, uh, do twitter questions McLeod2 asks for a while I felt like I sometimes just buy games for buying them resulting in a massive steam library Common.
3: Yeah, those people yeah. cool do that. Yeah. Um I don't because I have a bunch of free games.
0: Yeah, we own all know the games um, on the world. But I do think it like Steam makes it so easy to buy things to just get them on impulse buy, mm. especially yeah. when it has such common sales that last just two yeah. weeks. You think, Well, I'm probably gonna play this one day yeah. and you pay yeah. the five pounds and then never run the executable. Yeah. That's, that's why the the
2: the, the 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 app now lets you kind of pre purchase and pre install games from it like for the iPhone or from a web browser anywhere onto your home machine which is pretty dangerous because you could be in the (laughs) pub thinking oh my god that's only £2 for the next 12 hours I better (laughs) buy it now but there's a reason there's a watch list as
1: well the watch list obviously so you you say Mm. I want to play armour and I'm not going to buy it until it goes to 10 10 quid in price and then when it goes to 10 quid in price you go yep I'll sign that up and save it for later it's like having Constantly fluctuating a list of things and mm. picking them off the shelf at the time, it's stocks and shares basically picking off the shelf <laughs> at the time you actually
3: think they're the cheapest <laughs> and selling them. Selling them. I, I would like to be. Some, for some reason restricted to my bedroom for some long period of time <laughs> like long enough that I'll stop playing Dabo 3 and stop playing the latest thing and then look at the other nine games that mm, are, yeah. I've actually got installed ready to play because <laughs> I'm so sure I'm going to play them and I still haven't
1: I remember when, when you first got your Steam account and this job, you, you said <laughs> it filled I'm up gonna, like a I'm 500 gonna gig hard drive you <laughs> <laughs> said, like, said, said to me I'm going to start with the A's and I said like, what do you mean I said I'm going to start with the A's on my Steam account <laughs> <Just laughs> like, so sort of i like,
0: pat you on the head and just say go on then see what happens yeah. I do quite often install a game and then leave it there for three months, and then uninstall it. Yeah, without I never mean, once having Red played. Red Faction it.
3: Gorillas coming towards the end of its unplayed <laughs> time.
0: I didn't even leave Speed Hot Pursuit. <laughs> Black Seven Dragon asks, "Do you love the Mako from Mass Effect One? Mako? Mako, the vehicle? Okay. Um, uh,
3: yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> what type was, of vehicle is it? Is it? A, it was a, a rover that effect? you drop on planets, and then you drive around there. Hmm. Um, uh, they undulating landscapes in ridiculously low gravity <laughs> like to some extent there are just some planets that have low gravity but also it just seemed like the physics didn't really know yeah how you could just have to do high <laughs> gravity apparently
1: someone super glued all the wheels
3: together because you could just roll up the side of like sheer cliff
1: faces and just wave from the top you could bunny hop as well couldn't you yeah, yeah, yeah you could there were like, thrusters that would
3: just make it jump yeah. so it was absurdly mobile i think they didn't want you to like flip on your back and be unable to get back up so yeah. like there were a million different ways that you could float into the air and it's
0: like um, Star Trek Nemesis, where they have that scene yeah, earlier yeah. on, where they just drop a jeep out the back of a of a ship onto a dusty planet, and Picard drives it around for a while. And apparently, that was just Patrick Stewart, largest <laughs> <I'll laughs> for that young. scene. <laughs> yeah, who thought that would be fun? Um,
3: but the Mako uh, got a really bad rep. It was like considered you know one of the big flaws of Mass Effect One, um, and I think it's mostly from people who had to play on a gamepad <laughs> and aiming that stupid turret at mm, like mm. tiny rocket launcher dudes from miles away uh, was probably super frustrating but with them out it's really easy yeah I think it tied into a lot of the whole the planets are really boring to actually go down to on Mass Effect 1 as well so. yeah some of them
0: were pretty dull dumb asks why haven't you covered the Carmageddon Kickstarter? I used to I played Carmageddon and I enjoyed it but I don't have huge affectionate feelings for it I remember it being okay yeah <laughs> I played
3: both games and enjoyed them but I don't desperately need a third (laughs) one.
0: The other thing is that they've been working on it for a little while, and I'm not sure what the Kickstarter is for exactly. (laughs) There's a a lot of developers or indie developers at the moment who are launching Kickstarter projects for games that have already got funding and they're already Mm. making it. Already in beta. Yeah, and they're saying, oh, we need this little bit of extra money to do polish or something like that but it seems more like they're just doing it for marketing, marketing reasons rather than, oh, we really need this money.
3: I've had people get in touch with me saying, hey, do you want to add your game to our Kickstarter project and we'll all, you know, raise some money? And They don't ask me, like, do you need money for anything? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't need money for anything. This would just be giving me profit. But, mm. you know, they're fine with that. That's just what. That's just how it works. <laughs> you just want to raise some money. You just want to exploit people's goodwill to get um, some cash. The
1: problem with Kickstarter as well is that, as I before, most people who fund... If, you, if, you, if I buy something, I don't want to have it a year later because I've forgotten about it. Because <laughs> my attention span is very short, and I probably won't be interested in the same things. Then I might have changed my gaming text entirely. So The best thing to do is to make, make a game halfway through, and factor in the fact three months before the release you're going to make Kickstarter, make the Kickstarter three months before release, and then go. <laughs> Look, we've delivered the product really quickly, so you know you're not going. Mm-hmm. People will object to that though and think, Hey, yeah, you've yeah, yeah. already
3: pretty much finished it. Why do we need to give you money? I think Kickstarter's going to go horribly wrong or something. Yeah, point, there but, are, I mean there are loads mm. of great projects on it, and it's a really awesome positive force for loads of loads of. Different types of people, but they, it's good that it kicked off and it's good that it's become really popular, but the side effect of that is that there are now there's, there's so much goodwill towards it that people are funding things without really knowing what their money is paying for yeah. mm-hmm. and that's fine if you just want to buy the game, but then there are also cases where are you actually going to get that game? <laughs> is that really <laughs> going to get made with those people?
2: <laughs> you kind of assume it's a, it's a good cause to you as soon as you get on the Kickstarter site because because
0: yeah. it kind of feels charitable when you're there. I mean, yeah,
2: and the uh, language is all really kind of clever and nice
0: and friendly as well. Yeah, it? this the site takes on so much of the kind of goodwill you felt mm. towards the last thing you funded. So like, it feels like oh, this is like the double fine thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at those guys, yeah. it's got the Kickstarter logo on it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I Our back
3: page this month is on that topic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's going to take one or two Kickstarter and like
0: failures to just make the whole thing kind of. It's, it's not. I don't think it's in the future of funding or anything like that. Streaming asks, do you guys think Diablo 3 will have content updates, or will that be saved for expansion packs?
3: That's an interesting question, actually. Um, I think they'll probably save it for expansion packs. I don't think, because you're not paying a subscription fee, you don't mm. sort of automatically expect that you're going to get bombarded with awesome stuff all the time. Mm. Do you think
0: they'll do DLC?
3: Like, like smaller than, stuff? Yeah. I kind of think they'll probably treat it a bit like StarCraft, where they yeah. well, I suppose StarCraft is kind of a unique case. They split the game into three different bits. Blizzard
1: aren't but very good at doing... DLC. They're
3: going to do big, weighty Mm. packs. W3 already has this act structure where there's, you know, we'll know what an act is and how long that is, and it contains a bunch of unique terrain and a bunch of unique monsters Mm. and unique items, so they can easily bolt those on, I think. And you play it over and over again, so I can't see why they wouldn't just add another
1: class. Like, just add a class later on in expansion pack, do it like Pandaria, maybe we have a class-specific thing and and a new new thing, but then, then you filter back into the main game halfway through.
2: I was thinking about this. Would they need to put like whole new weapons in and stuff for the other new class? They probably would put new weapons in, but it's not like the slots yeah, are locked I down. Mean, the,
3: the way they did it with Dabo 2 was they added the assassin in the Lord of Destruction expansion back and um, gave her the like punch dagger type weapon, hmm. um, which was exclusive to her, and then a bunch of... I think there were some armor types that were only for her as well. Um, and... Uh, was the druid in Lord of Destruction? I'm thinking of Diablo 1. But the, the crazy thing about Lord of Destruction is you only realize years later that that was the one that added runes, which became like the kind of core of the, the oh item game and would totally changed the whole thing. Like for not just the extract that it added, but the main game as well. Like the main game radically changed after that and became loads more interesting. And uh, they went back and kind of sewed those things throughout the whole game. So they could potentially, you know, do that again, add something
0: dramatic like that mm. I think it would be cool if they did DLC and then they sold it through the auction house in the game so you could either buy it for real money or you could buy you it with it your it, gold yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun yeah no,
2: that's quite a cool idea
0: or just yeah, yeah. someone retweeted our, 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 our question asking for questions okay, so that's it you, yeah <laughs>
3: We're using a hashtag to do these these days, so it's easier for us to find replies to us that aren't
0: just people <laughs> replying to us. To PC Gamer, have any plans to get additional servers to support smaller games or mods such as DZ? Yes, we do. Yeah, in fact, smaller. <laughs> we do in fact have a plan to get a DZ server. We're speaking to multiplayer at the moment. It's um, because it is a mod and it's a smaller thing and it's early days for the development of it. It's more complicated to set that server up than it would be if we just wanted to turn on a new Battlefield 3 server or something. But we're working on it and we'll try and get it up soon. And one of the things we want to do is we want to time shift it. Because as Rich mentioned earlier, it's got a real-time day-night cycle, so at the moment, if we were at work all day and then go home and then log in at 8 o'clock at night, it's often pitch black on the server.
3: It's not going to get light anytime soon. No, it's not going to get
0: light until I'm at work again the next day. <laughs> and So for our own benefit, if nothing else, but also for anyone else in the UK... I guess our <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we want to time-shift it so that when you log in on in the evenings after a day at work, it's actually yeah. daylight.
3: So it'll be six hours or something.
0: Yeah, so it'll start to get dark around midnight, something like that. So you can like maybe Still really experience cool. a little bit of mm. darkness, but
2: time like you should be going to bed
0: anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you don't really want to be thinking when you're
2: outside
3: in the sun. Oh, it'd be lovely on day's head now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time to play day's If that would actually like affect the way you feel in terms of like tiredness and stuff, because you are really affected by like, whether it's daylight mm. or not. Yeah. If it was kind of if the game was almost in sync with reality, but just a bit further ahead, would you stay up later because it's lighter? Sun longer? lamps everywhere.
0: <laughs> creep BSD asks. If you forget about the money, what job would you love to have in the games industry? This one. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. <one's> pretty good. <laughs> I Definitely forget about the money. What I'd
1: like to do, if I had any artistic talent whatsoever, <laughs> I'd like to be a concept artist. Because it does seem like a lot of people just <laughs> would like, draw what they think about. And that seems, obviously there's probably a lot more precious to it. But you see amazing concept artists out there. And I'd like to be one of those guys. If only to say, look what I can draw. But I have no artistic talent and I can't do that. <laughs>
3: I would like to be a proper designer are you
0: making a game and designing a game right now that you're gonna sell
3: but um i would like to not have to do all of the programming and stuff myself because not because i don't like the workload but just because it's really fucking hard like i'm just not very good at it so there's a bunch of stuff i can't do and there's a bunch of stuff that takes me a long time and uh, it would be cool to have like a small team where people could actually get things done in a timely fashion It'd be quite nice to be a kind of consultant, wouldn't it? And get paid loads of money. Don't, don't they get
2: paid huge amounts of money? First thing was I so. about, I guess he, first said, thing he said was money. forget about the money. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then I so just, about this
3: job that gets me a lot of money. Um,
2: hmm. That's a tricky one. I guess, yeah, I guess I guess I wouldn't mind being a pro gamer if someone just gave me the skills. Because <laughs> I bet you get a drone in from yeah, me, didn't you? Yeah, would be good fun do you like a awesome. you looking up at the ceiling I, because one day you what you were going to be a pro gamer were you my dream. <laughs>
3: yeah. I watched like the um, GSL StarCraft tournament and see the guy who's won it 3 times before in the finals and you know having he having to practice intensively for this and you know everything's riding on it it's super super tense he's won 3 times he's won the biggest tournament <laughs> it's possible to win 3 times over and he's still got to be in that like pressure zone of oh god i got to win this
0: yeah. <laughs> I'd quite like the idea of being like a narrative designer or a writer or an, on a game. I don't want to be the guy who writes awful cutscenes, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm quite interested in how you design quests with multiple outcomes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, I'd like to be a level designer, which is something I used to do as a teenager. I used to make levels for Half Life and stuff like that, and that was that was always fun. What are your favorite cats in games? asks of Mason Mods, which is a good mod. <laughs>
3: I like the Khajiit and Skyrim, and um, those are cat brilliant. people. Yeah, like are cat. I like the cat, <laughs> cat in are species of cat.
2: Monster Hunter series, which isn't on PC. I've got some Did chopsticks I, I brought up in Japan with them on. Or that dude with, with the, the little with cat. The Monster Hunter guy. Yeah, he's lovely.
1: I had um, I played Dragon Quest eight one summer. And in Dragon Quest eight, one of the enemies is a candy cat, and the candy cats are like so, you have to fight them all the time. And Dragon Dragon Quest doesn't really have any kind of Internal law, so much as just oh let's design a slime with the face on it and that's now an enemy and the slimes are like famous enemies but the candy cats were so cute that i couldn't kill them so every time i came in a fight with the candy cat i had to just run away kill everything else in the game but the candy cats were just because <laughs> they had this big long tongue and they all looked so happy and i steamed into their little cave and beat the shit out of them or i could just leave them alone and there's times when it'd be like you you failed to escape you have to fight the candy cat
3: and i'm like no actually minecraft cats um are yeah. great because if you tame them, they follow you around. And if Unlike they can't get cats. to you, if, they, if you're too far away, they teleport to you. And so one guy got like a 100 <laughs> cats following him Cat and then built a tower of one block just going up into the, the maximum height you can go to up and way past the clouds into the sky. And then, of course, all the cats were too far away from him because he was so high up that uh, they they were in teleport distance. So they'd all teleport to him. And then when they teleported him, they didn't all fit on that same thing. So no. they'd, they'd fly off the thing <laughs> and then fall all the way back down to Earth but not hit the Earth because then they were too far away from the players. So they teleport back up to them. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so they had this fountain of cats just spewing <laughs> out in all directions. Awesome. Cat, you
0: know. Tilted with a one asks, do you think gamers will accept always online connections in the future for single-player games?
3: Um, I think some of them will never <laughs> accept it. Mm. Um, and I think the only shift in acceptance will be just... As the people who don't currently have a stable, always online connection get one, they all care slightly less. And I don't think like people who don't have a stable connection are going to stop caring that they can't play single player games. I think that's always going to be super frustrating to them.
1: I wonder if, if without Diablo's legacy, if this is Diablo One, obviously it would be a different thing anyway. But I wonder if the fact that it was it was such a such a single player game before, if they came out and said it's going to be always online, it's going to be always online. By the way, it's a single player game. It's going to be always online. And there's no Diablo one or two in history to be, you know, doesn't need
2: to be online. I wonder if that would have caused such a ruckus. I just reckon Blizzard now make online games, don't they? That's what they're gonna do. Yeah. Like, yeah you know, That's all when right I when it. I don't don't have an int- I mean what I'm saying is I think I kind of accept it now. When I when I don't have an internet connection in my house, when I move house or something like that, I just think to myself, Okay, there's certain games I can't play now and one of those games annoyingly is it is because it doesn't mm. quite make sense, but that it is it is Diablo three. I think the same about Starcraft and TF2 and stuff, it's just games I can't play
0: It's Stern who is Splash Damages writer, designer type guy asks what edicts and proclamations has the new king made and how must you all dress now, he's referring to my recent appointment as editor Mm -hmm. what have I made you do (laughs) Uh, Um, the other
3: day we had to go home at 3pm and get drunk (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty good I'm
0: awesome, I'm a great king (laughs) Also, you all have to wear, wear capes now.
1: Again, that's something we've been pushing for for years. <laughs> <laughs> capes and early drunkenness. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time.
0: The Secret World, Guild Wars and Diablo all seem to have less consequential levelling systems with more choice. Do you like this? Well, we kind of, kind of already covered that. Yeah, I
2: guess so. I do. Owen? More choice uh, is good. Yeah, I like, I like more choice as long as there's enough to make me want to experiment with stuff. I like it but I also
1: like I've always always liked Chasing Perfection I like games like Dark Souls where you you, Dark Souls doesn't have that level it does have a bit of that you can get wrong but I quite like the idea of charting perfect course but then again there's nothing really bad with Diablo I don't don't feel like I'm lying to myself by not sticking with the same skills like I I sometimes will keep with the skill because I want to get enough use out of it rather than I feel it's thematically right for my character or anything like that but I feel like I should you know I don't want to have a favourite yet. I want to love all my skilled children the same for a little bit. So.
0: That's all the Twitter questions we've got today. Before we wrap up, really quickly, shortly, what game are you going to play at the weekend and why? Tom? I'm going to play DayZ because you guys will not shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound awesome, actually. I think I'm,
3: I'm up for the amount of boredom it will involve. <laughs> <laughs> Owen? I think DayZ
2: is, is an exciting prospect, but I'm going to be honest, I'm going to end up playing Diablo until <laughs> until my eyes hurt, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Rich. I think I'm going to be trapped in some kind of nightmare between
1: playing with Tom and you on DayZ and Owen going, plays Diablo, plays Diablo, plays Diablo, <laughs> and we'll probably oscillate between the two of them and then we'll both just play FIFA instead.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely both play FIFA and also I'm going to play DayZ this weekend as well.
3: Sweet. Okay,
0: I think that's us. Thank you everyone for your time. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks Cheers for listening.
3: Bye-bye.